It's certainly good to see those that have come to be with us tonight. We have a rather slim crowd of what we're normally accustomed to having. Even for a Wednesday evening, we know that some are, are ill and some are traveling and at other places, but we're very grateful that you are here with us tonight. As it is customary on our Wednesday evening services, we study from chapter to chapter, and Ryan was going to finish the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, but Ryan is working out of town, and uh, he's not able to be here, and so at the last minute, here I am. So I have chosen to speak on a subject that's found in the book of Mark, the fourth chapter, and I hope that it will be helpful to you in some way. I want to invite your attention to Mark, the fourth chapter, and we'll begin reading in verse number 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. In that passage of Scripture, we find it to be one of the parables of old that Jesus gave so long ago. You remember that Jesus oftentimes, when he spoke in parables, he would go from one parable to the next, and those parables on the surface would appear to be saying much of the same thing. And yet, though he was not contradicting himself, he was going from parable to parable teaching different facets or aspects of the kingdom of God. You remember prior to Jesus giving this parable, he gave the parable that we know as the sower. Now some of the parables that Jesus gave are found in more than one gospel account, while some are found only in one. The one that I want to consider with you tonight, as we just read in for our hearing a moment ago, is the one that is found only in the gospel according to Mark, and that parable is what we will simply call the parable of the growing seed. You know, the setting of this parable appears to be on the same occasion in which Jesus told the parable of the sower and also the parable of the mustard seed. This was at the point of the ministry of Jesus when he began to speak to them in parables. Now you remember that some of the things that Jesus would say in parables needed or required further explanation. You remember with the parable of the sower that was given just prior to this, that in another account we find that they asked him, Lord, what meaneth this? They inquired of Jesus what it was that he was talking about when he gave the parable of the sower. Other times, Jesus would give parables, and they were common enough for the one that had a good heart and an honest heart and a pure heart to be able to be there in his hearing and understand the spiritual significance he wanted them to know, seeing past the common narrative. But you know, there were those in Jesus' time in his ministry as he preached those great sermons of old that did not have a good and an honest heart, and they would not understand the spiritual significance Jesus wanted them to know, and therefore they never got past the common narrative. 
But in this parable, Jesus is going to talk about the growing seed. Analyze this parable with me for a little while, and we find this. The parable reveals how it is that the Word of God produces fruit. Now you remember in the parable of the sower, Jesus said in there that when the seed would fall on good and honest hearts, it would produce fruit. But here in this parable, we find out what Jesus meant by that and what he was talking about. He gives the explanation to what he's already said. He gave a generic or general statement of what happens when the seed, being the word of God, is planted in a good heart. What happens? He produces fruit, or fruit is produced as a byproduct of his faith because the seed is planted in that which was good. But in this parable, he talks about something slightly different. He talks about the fact that the, this parable reveals that it's the Word of God that produces this fruit. It is the Word of God that has the kingdom to grow. You know, the Bible teaches us that of all the things and all the wisdom of man in that day, they couldn't understand, especially the Greeks, you know, they sought after wisdom and so on. And there were those that would seek after a sign and so on and so forth. But the Bible says that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Simply put, you and I know that preaching the gospel to the Christian is not foolish. It is certainly not foolish in the eyes of God. And certainly it is not foolish in the eyes of Jesus the one who was the Lamb of God that gave himself to purchase the church where found in the gospel tells us just exactly how we enter in to that body and so on. But to the world, it's foolish. You know, there were those that never accepted that Jesus died on the cross as the Messiah, the one that died on the cross. They were looking for one that perhaps would come and appear a whole lot different than he did. Maybe they were looking for some great one that would come in on a great white horse with a great army. Maybe it would be one who would be, uh, in, in his stature, he would be big and strong and beautiful. Not the one that the Bible pictures in Isaiah 53, where he would have no form nor comeliness that we would desire him. You see, he was a common man. Different though, his appearance was that of common man, but he was far greater than any man that had ever lived. He was perfect in every way, tempted in all points like you and I today. The difference was though, he was yet without sin. You know, to the Christian, we are so grateful that Jesus died as our Messiah and shed his blood. But there were those that rejected him as the Messiah because they couldn't fathom such a one that would suffer such an ignominious death, that that would be the Savior. So those things are foolish in the eyes of man. But those things are precious in the eyes and the hearts of Christians. And so while the seed is not identified in this parable, we know that it's the word of God from the parable of the sower. In the fourth chapter of the book of Mark, also the same chapter, going back, we'll just read one verse, in the parable of the sower, in verse 14, he said, The sower uh, that soweth the word. And so the word of God is the seed that the sower must sow. 
Secondly, though, this parable reveals that the growth that is produced by the Word of God is two things. I thought this was rather interesting. You know, I'm using this word. It's not found in these verses, but really it is. I'm going to use the word mystery. In other words, when the Word of God is planted in the heart of a man, when it produces fruit, Jesus says that the man that did the sowing knows not how or why it happens. You know, I think that's very interesting. Man today, as a farmer, and that's what he's likening this entire idea to. The three parables in, in succession, the one of the sower, the one of this one we're talking about, and the one of the mustard seed, is comparing what a farmer is going to do, and what comes out of the ground is the byproduct of what he has planted. Let me put it this way, and I think that we'll understand what Jesus meant. A farmer goes out and he cultivates the soil. Now, he knows exactly how to do that. He knows that if he goes out there and cultivates that soil, then that soil will be free and rid of all of the trash and all of the thorns and all of the weeds and so on. If he does that, he is making a clear area for the seed to be planted in and germinate. Secondly, he takes the seed and he puts it in that good soil. He knows how to do that too. He waters the soil. He knows how to do that too. But then he waits. And Jesus said he goes to bed at night. He wakes up the next day. And so on and so forth. It is now completely out of his power. It is completely now out of his hands. It is in the hands of someone else or something else by way of nature. And all of a sudden... He's done his part. He knows if he does his part, then it will happen. He doesn't know how, but here it comes out of the ground. You know, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about with reference to the Word of God. We go out and we plant this seed in the hearts of man. And what do we do? We sow the seed. We cultivate the ground. We help to do that on the heart of another. We plant and we water and we do that over and over again. But you know what else we do? We wait. And we know this. Somehow, some way, though we may not understand, the Bible teaches that God is going to give the increase and the Word of God is going to have the power to do so. But you know, secondly, Jesus said when the growth happens, not only is it a mystery to some, but it's gradual. You know, I think that's very important for us to understand that the growth that comes is gradual. Jesus likens the growth in the kingdom of God, in the church, he likens that, whether it's individual growth or growth as we are all together as the body, adding numbers and so on, where God gives the increase, we need to understand Jesus said it is gradual. Sometimes we get impatient and we look at numbers and we hold a gospel meeting and we don't think much good was done. Let me tell you something. You know, I, I hear this a lot. Was there any results? And I know what folks are talking about. They want to know, did, did you baptize anybody? Were there any uh, people that were out of duty or not living right? Did they make it right? That's the results they're talking about. 
But listen, we have no control over those kind of results. More on that in a minute. The only thing we have control over is our part. And then what do we do? We wait. And we wait patiently. Notice the gradual growth Jesus pictures in verse number 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. Notice how it happens. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. It doesn't happen all at once. It is a step-by-step -step process. The blade, the head, and the full grain. But through such growth we find the harvest will eventually come. We need not to be discouraged or think that all of a sudden because we don't see results in our, in our eyes and we cannot see them physically before us, don't think that it's not still working or it is not still God's pattern or God's plan. Because Jesus says in verse number 29 that we need to be patient because the harvest will come. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. So the kingdom of God, growing by virtue of the word of God, being planted is similar to the amazing growth that is observed in the sowing of grain. Really briefly now, I want to compare this parable now just a little further to the one of the sower in this respect. With the sower, we find that Jesus was picturing human responsibility. In other words, none of the things, none of the things that he pictures in this parable of the growing seed is going to be possible unless and until you do your part, which is human responsibility. There are two responsibilities found in the parable of the sower. Number one, it is the one that's doing the sowing. He must of necessity take the seed of the gospel and spread it. What's going to happen when he spreads it? It's going to fall on various types of soil, the farmer, and the person that's the child of God is going to spread the same seed of the gospel, and it's going to fall on one of four types of the heart. So, what's your responsibility, number one? I better sow. You too, by the way. All of us, we better sow the seed. The other human responsibility is on the part of the listener, on the part of the hearer. He has to have a good and honest heart. You know, sometimes we fail to remember something. Of the four types of heart he pictures, three have to change. Three are not good enough. Three won't do. The hard-packed-down wayside soil, the off-traveled footpath, that seed can't penetrate that dirt, that hard ground, that hardened heart. You know what happens? People walk by, and they take their foot, and they trample on the seed, and they crush it so it does no good. What else happens? The birds come. When the birds fly in, they pick it up. Jesus said the birds represent the devil. When a person has a hard heart and the seed of the gospel lands on that hard heart, before it can stay there and penetrate that soil and germinate and grow and produce fruit, 
The devil comes in and takes it away just like that. And a person is no better than they ever were before. Jesus also said, though, that there are stony ground. That's a person that's got a little bit of good soil about like that. But then just beneath that, you got a whole lot of rocks. What's the problem? The problem is the roots can't get deep enough to get to the nutrients in the soil. It can't get the moisture. It can't get the nutrients it needs deep down in the soil. What happens? You've seen that. You can go to any little patch of ground that's got rocky ground underneath but a little bit of good soil. Here it comes. The seed hits and it comes right straight up but it never lasts because the roots can't go deep. The scorching rays of the sun are the trials of life, Jesus said, and it withers away. That's like a person that's guided by emotion. They're not guided by conviction, they're guided by emotion. Their decisions to live the Christian life is based upon emotion and not deep conviction. Trials of life, scorching rays of the sun, they wither away. Now, Jesus said there's one other. We'll get to this one again later, just in a moment. But Jesus said that another kind of soil is that which is among thorns. What happens? It comes up. It's got deep soil. There's nutrients down there. There's water down there. It's all the things that it needs. But here's the problem. The thorns are competing with the seed. And what happens? Jesus said the thorns will overtake it. And the thorns, by the way are the trials of life, they're the cares of this world, uh, rather, the cares of this world. Things in our life, sinful things that we don't cast aside. What happens? Here they come, straight up out of the ground. Our priorities aren't what they ought to be. And it starts choking that which is good, and it dies and withers away. Have you ever seen that? Well, I don't know why this is. Maybe this is kind of what Jesus meant about some of this farming and some of this growth and so on. I don't know. But have you ever stopped to consider every single time a weed grows up next to good grass, it seems like the weed grows twice as fast? It seems like pretty soon, if you don't take care of the weed problem, it can start off like a little bit, and pretty soon it has overtaken what you had before that was good. That's why Jesus said you got to clean the soil. So... One of the things that a person has to do is have a good heart. In the sower, you have to be in the parable of the sower, the sower has to sow the seed. But in this parable of the growing seed, it stresses something different. It stresses the divine power within the word of God. And I'll just say it this way, because if there wasn't a means of doing so, there is no way that a person with the greatest heart in the world, they could not grow, they could not produce fruit without a source. The source is God's word. And that's what's perfect, and that's what's used in the growth of a Christian's life. A person cannot grow just because they have a good heart. A person cannot be living in accordance with God's will just because they have a good heart. What happens is the good heart is a wonderful thing. The Apostle Paul had a good heart, and yet he persecuted the church and wasted it. But he had such a good heart, when the word of God was preached to him, it went deep into his soil of his heart, and he produced fruit all the days of his life. But you've got to have the word of God. 
It takes a seed that has within itself the power to germinate and grow in good soil. His parable emphasizes the need for those who sow, listen now, to trust and hope in the power of the seed, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is that seed which contains the power for spiritual life and spiritual growth when planted in the soil of a good and honest heart. You and I may not be able to comprehend or understand its true working and the true working of that power. It really doesn't matter. We just know this. It is what is used to help those to grow. Let's apply this parable now. Because the Word of God is a powerful seed, as I just mentioned. It does three things. The Word of God does three things. Number one, it causes us to be born again. I understand that there's many different philosophies and theories in the world, in the religious world particularly, about what it's like or what it really means to be born again. What we find in John the third chapter, Jesus said that you have to be born again. And then he describes it as being born of water and the Spirit. Now, the Word of God is what reveals to man just exactly how he is born of water and the Spirit. You remember when Nicodemus was talking to Jesus, the New Testament had not been written yet. The Word of God was not able to be preached fully to him. And all Jesus said was something that he didn't understand and he did not comprehend. Jesus said, except you are born again, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, how can that be? He said, how can that be when a man is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not this that I say, ye must be born again of water and the Spirit. Now, what do you and I have? Nicodemus didn't understand that that day. The kingdom, the church, repentance and remission of sins, none of that was preached yet until Acts 2. Jesus was still living. He had not suffered, he had not died for the sins of the world yet when he spoke to a man named Nicodemus. But you know what you and I have that old Nicodemus didn't have? We've got this grand old book right here. We've got this seed. We can look in here and find out just exactly how I can be born again, how I can raise and be raised to walk in newness of life, and that being at baptism. In 1 Peter chapter 1, notice how the Word of God causes us to be born again. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, the Bible says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, how? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And so the word of God reveals just exactly how I can be born again, not of incorruptible seed, but of, uh, not of uh, corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth forever. 
But you know what else? It, we said that to say this. You know what else it does? If you're born again, that kind of means that you're starting over. That means that you're like a, like a baby. And that's exactly what a person is when they become a Christian. They become a babe in Christ. What does a baby have to do? In order for a baby to live, what do they have to do? Well, quite simply, they have to grow. We know that. We can look at a tree, we can look at plants, we can look at any living thing, and we can see and understand that that which does not grow will die. There must be constant growth at all times. Now, we understand that as a human being, too. We start off as little babies. We start feeding off the sincere milk of, of, from our mothers and so on. And we start to grow. And then over time, as we grow, we start taking a little bit of food. And then as we go on a little further, we take on more food and more solid food until we are eating meat of those that are of full age. But if a baby does not grow and grow gradually like that, then he will die. Much is like, same and similar to the Christian. I think it's important that we understand that the Word of God is the food and the only food for nourishment that we get. If we don't feed off of this, we are starving to death spiritually. That's what we need. We need the Word of God. So how does it help us? It helps us to grow. 1 Peter 2 Beginning in verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, listen, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. And remember this, the power is in the seed. Thirdly, this seed has the power to save your soul. In James chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. All of this is possible because the word of God is living, and the word of God is powerful and filled with spirit-giving life. John 6 and 63, Jesus said, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And finally, along this line, one more passage of Scripture as found in the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter and verse 12. Listen to what Paul says there. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But next, there are two ways to utilize this powerful seed. We've got to do something with it. It's here. It's here for our use. God wants us to. God says we need it. So let's notice two ways to utilize this powerful seed in our life and in the lives of others. Number one, by receiving it into your own heart. Here we are talking about growth of the kingdom of God in our lives. This is personal growth. 
This is when the Word of God has to come into our heart. It's got to be planted in our good soil. And we've got to feed off of that so that we might grow. Because guess what? There's something that God does for us when we do that. Remember this. With the promises of God on so many occasions, we find that God is ready, willing, able to answer our prayers. He is ready, willing, and able to do what He's promised if we've done what He has said. Interesting, though, we better never forget this. God does not listen to those who do not listen to Him. So we need to listen to Him. What does He say? Take this seed and put it in your heart. That's what he said. If we want God to be able to do something with us, it must first be in our good and honest heart. Of course, we must receive it properly. That is, with that good and honest heart. Luke 8 and 15. Also notice in Acts 17 and verse number 11, you remember a very familiar passage of Scripture there where the Apostle Paul was going to speak of those that were in Berea. You know, this is a wonderful example to a preacher or for anyone that would stand and publicly teach God's Word. You know what Paul said? He said that those at Berea, they were more noble than those of Thessalonica. Why is that? Because they received the Word with gladness. They received the Word with readiness of mind. Their mind was receptive to the truth. And guess what they did? They didn't just leave it there. He praised them because they went home and they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. I'll tell you something. Any preacher that wouldn't want people to hear him preach to go do that is not worth his salt. I'll tell you that right now. That's a wonderful thing where folks go home and investigate in God's word. Did he tell me the truth? Did he say something that was correct? according to God's word. And so we must receive it with readiness of mind, the word of God. We must always receive the word also with meekness, James 1 and 21. We must receive it as babes longing for their mother's milk, 1 Peter 2 and verse number 2. Notice this point though. There's something that you and I have to do or none of it works. None of it will work. God cannot give the increase. You and I will never grow. We will never grow individually as the body of Christ, as individual Christians in our daily walk of life if we don't do this part. James chapter 1 and 21 says we have to lay aside those things that would choke out the word in our lives. Also 1 Peter 2 and verse number 1. We have to remove the things that are going to be obstacles to our living the Christian life. Anything that's going to choke the word, we've got to get rid of it. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, I'm so grateful for those words he spoke so long ago in that great sermon on the mount. But Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a promise that the necessities of my life will be taken care of if I put him first in my life. If he's first in my life, then everything that I do will automatically be in accordance 
with what he has me to do. Not that I'm going to be perfect, but I'm not going to run into priority problems. I'm going to make the proper decisions in my life because he's number one and everything else in my life is secondary. Now, if I can do that, if I can remove all of those outside influences that would be contrary to living the Christian life, whatever that is, and I'm going to tell you, there's nothing in this life that is so important that you would do it anyway and cause you to lose your soul. There's nothing in this world that is worth that much. If a person in that state cannot live in that state without losing their soul, get rid of it, whatever it is. The growth, is, uh, growth happens when the word is received, it will occur. Notice, though, that the growth will be gradual, and therefore we must continue to feed upon the word of God that we might grow thereby. Summing up thus far really quickly, growth happens when we receive the word with a good heart, when we receive it with readiness of mind, when we receive it with meekness of spirit, when we lay aside all those things that would choke out the word and we get those out of the way, now we've got the formula for success. Now we've put ourselves into a position where we can be successful in living the Christian life because now we can grow individually. Second way to utilize the powerful seed, though, is by sowing it as far and wide as we possibly can. That's publicly sowing it. That's taking it to everybody in the world that we possibly can. By sowing it far and wide, here we are talking about growth in the kingdom of God in the world. Like the sower in the parable of the sower, we must sow the seed everywhere. We must remember, though, that growth comes through the divine power of the seed. We've said every single thing that we've said thus far to show us what our part is but I want you to notice now and not misunderstand because man does not have the power to give the increase. I do not have the power to give the increase in my life or in your life. Hear the words of the great apostle Paul of old in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. Paul said, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers of whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. You know what you and I are? We're seed throwers and water boys. That's what we are. We throw the seed and we water what we've thrown. But somewhere down the line, God will give the increase. There will be days when it will seem as though we run into one brick wall after another. There may be days when all we think that is going on is we're sowing seed and sowing seed and sowing seed and nothing's happening. There will be periods in our life when we will see and we will think that all we are doing is waiting and seeing nothing. But we need to be like the husbandman, like the farmer, and be patient. Because one day, when we're either awake or asleep, it won't be by our power. Like the plant that comes out of the ground that the farmer doesn't quite comprehend how it works, all of a sudden God gives the increase. Here's the growth, and it first comes out of the ground, ever so slightly, because it's gradual, and over time, 
God gives the increase if we're patient. In James 5 and 7, the Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. In conclusion tonight, I think we need to understand that you and I are laborers together with God. You know, God does not speak to us directly today. Sometimes we think God's talking to us. Sometimes we'll actually get a feeling inside that God is telling us something miraculously in our ear. Sometimes we'll be unclear about a decision that we need to make, and then all of a sudden we're clear about it. Sometimes we think, or people think, that that's God telling us miraculously what the answer is and what we should do. You know what that is? What all that is? That's just a momentary feeling of, of complete understanding, of clarity. All of a sudden, things seem more clearly. It's a momentary feeling of clarity. We now understand. But God speaks to us through one means, and that's through the power of this seed. I believe with all my heart in the providence of God, though. And I believe with all my heart in the answer to prayer. So like I've said so many times, I hate to be repetitive, but it really makes sense. And I don't know how, I don't know how else to put it. You've got to pray like it all depends on God. And then you've got to roll up your sleeves and work like it's all depending on you. If we'll do that, we are laborers together with God. And he said, if we'll be patient, he'll give the increase. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.